and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Wednesday, March 8th, International Women's Day. And Jesse Rumanoff, might I add, the two-year anniversary of Tim and Friends. Beautiful thing. I wasn't sure it last two weeks. Never mind two years. A heartfelt thank you to everyone for not just helping us through the two weeks, but actually helping us increase the numbers from the previous iteration. I know I speak from the heart and for our entire crew when I say one, we feel the love mm -hmm. and two. Thank you very much. Like it's been a wild ride, and there is no way that it feels like two years. Jesse, moving off. Well, this is why birthdays and anniversaries usually kind of suck because it just means you just time get older, flying. time's flying. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's in this case, it's a it's a beautiful celebration. I uh, I loved your Twitter post earlier today, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I didn't nice. just like it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Should Twitter implement uh, likes and and, and loves? loves? Differentiate. I guess they do that on Facebook already. Do they? Yeah. I don't go on There's Facebook. like a whole whack of emotions you can oh, yeah. show on Facebook. Yeah, yeah it's, cu I've, it's cute. I've given up on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Fair I might enough. still I have an account, have. but I, I still uh, give it up on Facebook. I'm not going to lie. Congratulations. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. For, for yeah. most of this, I have felt like, um, well, a pitcher on this coach's baseball team. Did your dad ever play catch with you when you were younger? Do you have Unamas more better than you? I know you're new to our team, but do you always suck this bad, or is it just a special occasion today? Well, that sucked with a capital S and a lot of U's. Seriously, dude, I'm about to just call the police and have you arrested. If your dad ever gets out of rehab, we're going to have to work on a new pitch called a strike. Have you ever thought that you might actually be left-handed? You need some style. You need some pizzazz. I feel like I'm watching a pitching machine out here. No pressure, but if you don't strike this kid out, I'm going to fill your pockets full of meatballs and throw you in a piranha pond. Uh, I, I know you're only 12, but the high school coach just texted me and you're cut. <laughs> I, don't, I want to put this lightly, but I mean, we're getting killed out there and I think it's pretty much all your fault. Well, you win some and you lose some. Unless you're on the mound, we lose them all. <laughs> That's the best one. Best for last. Is, is that really? Yeah, That's so. the best one of all? Who has more pressure? Uh, him when he goes to the mound because you know he's got to come up with something, or you when you throw to me first things first because you know you're gonna. No, come up that's. With I mean, all I got to do is come up with a rhyme and a sports player. Like that dude has to come up with a line, and he's talking to children. Yeah. Sounds like a 12 year old baseball. That's my son's age. Like that's. But they know that's coming. <laughs> they have to. I, and and I think after a while it would almost be relieving, would it not? Like. Yeah. To know that your coach is just going to come out and drop a joke about how much you suck. Here's the question. <laughs> What do you do? How do you know he's serious? Like, what does he say when he's actually oh, yeah. serious? Like, he really <laughs> that, wants to just there, take There's you a the lot game. of questions yeah. that I had when I first saw that. That's a really good one. It's like, what does he just come out straight, like, real, like, Coach Tim McAuliffe? Right. Or, you know, have I ever Maybe brought his out facial Coach expression? Tim to you? I don't know, probably. I, I think I've done it to you when we disagree on things, but. What are you doing out here? Yeah, you have. You have done yeah, that. Yeah, I can yell. I'm a brilliant. You were smiling yeah. through that, so I, I would see right through it. <laughs> 
I'm going to be honest. The coach just feels like Twitter in 2023. Yeah. yeah. Does he not? Yes. That's Twitter in 2023, 100%. except most people aren't joking. No. Uh, listen, I, I made it no secret. We've made it no secret. Uh, International Women's Day has been a full week here on Sportsnet. Tim and Friends uh, is just the same. Uh, I like to mm -hmm. think our commitment, though, goes beyond that, that we just tell the stories when they are warranted. Shockingly, sometimes we hit, sometimes we miss. We are human, but I would put our track record up against any daily national show in this country, and I'll put horns on it. That pledge also continues today. Longtime friend of the show, Natalie Spooner, is stopping by on International Women's Day. Longtime friend of the show, Sarah Nurse, stopping by along with filmmaker Kwame Damone Mason, WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert with Danielle Michaud. You get the idea, but that's not all. We got you covered on every different turn as we navigate the gentleness that is Tim and Friends. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey coming up. Ken Reed in the final hour. Elliot Friedman and his lettuce will jump mm. up and in. And speaking of lettuce, Ruby, Buck Martinez. Oh, the best. Oh, the best. I just, I dream of hair yeah, like that. I'm honest with you. Yes. That's got to be difficult. Oh, it is hard for yeah. me to talk to a man yeah. of that age with that head of hair. Makes me want to punch him every time he's on. Thankfully, he is a gentle and wonderful human being. Yes, and is. so that kind of dissipates once he starts talking. But not only is Buck jumping up on a day when the Jays and Twins tangled, but Canada and the Cubs also came together in Mesa, Arizona. Mesa. We'll get you caught up to date on all of it and hopefully have you more excited than Steve Ballmer and his toilets. That's right, his toilets. Toilets! 1160 toilets and urinals! Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals! We do not want people waiting in line! We want them to get back to their damn seats! I don't know why he's getting ripped so much. I this love is that. a problem. I love what do you mean it's a problem? The toilets are a problem, and Steve Ballmer is solving the toilet yeah. problem. People yeah. are ripping him because he's so jacked about toilets. You know what? Steve Ballmer is right. We need more toilets in every damn arena and sporting facility around North America. I see what you did there. Harnessing, and beyond. Yeah. Harnessing your inner Steve Bomber. Very impressive. I, I love Coach that. Coach Tim came out Everybody of should get that excited about everything. I, I don't even mind if we go back to the troughs. Do you remember the troughs? No, the troughs are gross. You, do you, you remember yeah. the troughs? Of course I do. A lot more people could fit into the troughs. Now, as a no, six-year-old boy, no. walking to the trough can be very traumatizing. Yeah, that's I understand a that. That's a but we need more toilets, and I am so desperate for more toilets and or urinals <laughs> at sporting facilities that I have considered going back to the trough. Just miss, like, a minute and a half of the game and go, and there's nobody else there, and you'll be fine. That's, that's ridiculous. You're not a real sports fan. <laughs> All right. This should be right. fun. I'm a sports commentator now. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan. And it starts with, you can still be both. Okay, I guess. Jesse, Biggie, first things first. So let's make it sing Billie Jean King. Oh, that's a good one. On this day. First, first, Fantastic. First, first. Uh, okay, so we're feeling good today. And Leaf fans also feeling good. Mitch Marner scored Man, a beauty good. while Austin Matthews scored the game winner with under three minutes left. As the Leafs took down the Devils 4-3, it was a gutsy performance from the Leafs last night who were without John Tavares and Ryan O'Reilly. Is this team different? <laughs> Sebi. <laughs> Sebi's laughing Sebi too. It wasn't just me. <laughs> Sebi was laughing too. That, I, I'm, 
I, I kid because I love or I laugh because I love. I know what you're saying. I understand the question. I know why Leaf fans feel good about it. Listen, those are the kind of games in the past the Toronto Maple Leafs would lose Folded. on the road mm -hmm. against a good team, needing their depth to come through. That depth came through. Michael Bunting, who was shuffled down to the fourth line to start that, didn't finish in the fourth line, but to start that game, he was on the fourth line. He ended up with power play minutes. He ends up with a goal, and I think the dummy was even better than the goal. And the dummy, for those who missed it, was him. It's not quite Mario Lemieux at the Salt Lake oh, City sick, games, yeah. but this was a pretty damn good play, letting mm -hmm. this roll through to Austin Matthews. And I would suggest to you that if I'm Vitek Vanacek, I am looking for the first guy and not the second guy. And that's why Austin Matthews uh, was able to score so e well. One, his ridiculous shot and release. And two, that Bunting gave him the dummy. So Michael Bunting played a role. That new second line of Nylander, Jankrock, and Lafferty opened the scoring. Kipper was in here saying that's a lot of pressure to put on Sam Lafferty in his I first you know, little go-around here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I asked if it was a good chance to see what he had. They're, they responded in every way that you could have possibly wanted. So while I chuckle at the is this team different from one game on one night in Newark, New Jersey, I do think that that was a very impressive performance from the Leafs. Oh, so not quite different, but there's a little bit of nuance there. Well, the only time that we want to know is if they're different is, is in the playoffs, when not. they go to the playoffs 100%. and if those guys uh, can do what they did on this night in Newark, then you can say that. Yeah, I mean, how could you not feel good about a fairly fan encouraging performances? You mentioned Bunting, like his reaction when he scored. Like, that meant something to him yeah, for a guy that budget. Sheldon Keefe had been talking about, you know, wasn't performing up to the standard that they're used to. He really, he felt it there, and it's passed by camp, too. It was nice. Just look at this reaction from Bunting. I want to, look at that. Like, you could tell it meant something extra to him. 20, though, right? Yeah, 20. 20. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's I know he well. plays on a good line most of the time. Yeah. But 20 goals is nothing to sneeze at in the National mm -hmm. Hockey League, Jesse mm -hmm. Rubinoff. And nope. by the way, no question. Um, Ilya looked good after he got oh. hit in the Samsonovs, eh? Yeah. Nice. Uh, first period, he was very good. Very, very good. Yeah. And just one little stat that I just want to point out. We talked about all the deadline moves. Uh, Jake McCabe hasn't been on for a five-on-five -five goal since joining the Leafs. Do you know how many games that is? I'm trying to think of it. It's, uh, Not off, off the top of your head. head. No. no. Oh, sorry. But it's enough. Terrible it's, question. It's, it's an impressive amount. I thought when you had the zero. Doesn't matter. It's zero. Um, okay, let's get to another <laughs> the percentage. Fan base. Is still zero. Like, yeah, no matter what, could yeah. be a hundred, could be one. Doesn't matter. Percentage yeah. is still zero. Okay, another fan base feeling good today <laughs> after a big win. Are, are the, it's okay. Are the the Flames? Uh, but it wasn't without many dramatics. Jared Spurgeon thought he buried the winner in overtime, but it was overturned due to an offside. Right call. Yeah, both coaches said it was a right call, so yeah. they took it to a shootout where Calgary finished off the one-zip victory. Obviously, Foley again. Obviously, yeah. he's the man who's stepping up right now. And after a pair of big wins, the Flames, are they turning their season around here, Timmy? That's another one that I kind of sort of chuckle at. It's a good start, and I was the one that said that I thought that they would be the team in the postseason, but Seattle's playing much better hockey than I thought they would mm. be after what was a a deadline where you knew that the long-term goal was more important than the short-term goal for Seattle. I thought we might see them slide off, but they're not doing it. No. Like, Calgary is, what, 10 points behind Seattle mm -hmm. for third 
in the Pacific Division. And if you look at the standings, they're five points behind Winnipeg. So there's still a big hill to climb. Yes, they have an easier schedule. Yes, these are two great steps on back-to-back nights. And Markstrom posting the shutout makes you feel like maybe there could be a corner to turn here. However, the difference between good and great is consistency, and we have not seen that from the Calgary Flames this year at all. So I won't be ready to pronounce that this is the turning of the corner or the saving of their season, whatever you want to phrase this, until they actually do it because they haven't been consistent this year. And neither is Markstrom, though he looked wonderful last night. Yeah, he looked great. A couple great saves. They, they needed that. Remember we, we talked back um, really all season of how Dan Vladar was getting starts, but they were still finding a way to get Markstrom into the net because they probably feel like Markstrom is, is the guy that's going to take them places where they, they want to go. If, if yeah. they're going to make the playoffs, if they're going to do any sort of damage, you know that this guy has done it before. You know he has the ceiling. So now you're seeing this is why they've given him the opportunity the last four games. He's well, also, let's to be his fair, ability. also why they gave him six by six. Yeah, you need to justify that. Yeah. So you got to give him opportunities. Uh, okay, let's get to um, a couple of nasty-ish plays in the NHL last night. Tony D'Angelo with well, a little bit of... talk about Trevor Zegris. Oh, you want to do that? No, that was pretty nasty, too. No, it's, it's fair. It's fair. I got you, Tony. So, Tony, Tony D'Angelo, D'Angelo yeah. a little poke in the, the you-know-whats. The to Corey Perry's. Corey Perry, in the Corey yeah. Perry's. Very nice. Easy in the Perry's. Um, Perry's Berries. So, Perry's Berries. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to play this one. You see it right there. And yeah. then Ryan Hartman in the Flames game with a vicious... Slash, and I want to get your opinion on what you think is worse before I tell you what the punishment that has been handed out to those two players Ooh, is. From, from a hockey standpoint, from a you're in the department of players. Which one would room, I get? Oh. Which one? Which one's worse in your opinion? I know which one I would be more pissed off at, mm-hmm. and it's the Hartman one. But there's been like. I have long been critical of the Department of Player Safety in the National Hockey League because I think that they should be looking out for the most dangerous plays, but I realize they're not. Like, if Tony D'Angelo did what he did to Corey Perry and Ryan Hartman did what he did to Rasmus Anderson to me, I would be furious at Hartman Mm -hmm. and I would probably chuckle at Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, like, I I feel like... You, you know what D'Angelo's trying to do. I, I mean, people will say that, you know, based on his track record, he's trying to do what he did. But there's also a case to be made that he's trying to engage a guy in a scrum and whatever. He's, he's poking the berries. He's, he's literally poking the berries. But Hartman is like, he's trying to take his arm off. Okay, so tell me, like what, Mighty Ducks. Tell me what the Department of he Player Safety said. Um, so the Department of Player Safety, Tony D'Angelo got two games. Right. And Ryan Hartman got the maximum allowed under the collective bargaining agreement for a fine $4,594. I, I mean, I just, sometimes I don't understand. I know, I know what it is. You don't want guys going around with the tip of their stick. It can be very dangerous. Yeah. But you know when a guy puts the tip of his stick in that in the nether regions <laughs> that it's not necessarily egregious. You have a lot of descriptions for that. General. Well, yeah. You, you, when you work 20 years in this business, in yeah, sports, yeah. like you better come up with a couple of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Toronto Blue Jays continued their spring training with a game against the Twins earlier this afternoon. Alec Manoa allowed one run on three hits in one and two-third innings in his previous start. 
He was back on the mound for his second start of the spring today. Kikuchi-like numbers. Kikuchi-like numbers. Yeah, Kikuchi <laughs> coming for the ace spot. Uh, his third game of camp for Manoa. The Cy Young finalist last season comes out dealing three strikeouts over his first three innings. Highly efficient. Throws just 30 pitches, 24 of them strikes. After the third, Manoa says, give me one more. I got one more in me. Is that going to get it's tiring strict. for it's, Josh? Tyler? I don't know. Jays send him out. Gets a little bit of trouble here on the top of the fourth. The man on Matt Wallner doubles off the base of the wall. Plates a runner, one zip, Minnesota. Next uh -oh. batter, Manoa. Oh, the breaking ball freezes Tyler White. The last batter, Manoa faces, strikes out four, over three plus innings. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm good to go now. <laughs> Bottom four, George Springer. And foul ball, not quite a Springer dinger. That's oh, a nice wow. grab by Walner. Leaping catch up against the netting. Trying against to show out Walner. in the spring. No hits through four for the Blue Jays. Top five, Jordan Romano. Third appearance of the spring. With a man aboard, Willie Castro. Doubles one off the Mark Ontario native. Another run comes in to score. Two zip twins, but Romano settles down. The Jays closer. Oh, that's a nasty slider to strike up the next batter. The Canadian two Ks in his only inning of work. Guessing, guessing wrong, I think, on that one. Does give up <laughs> just a little bit. Jays, four hits on the day, lose seven. Here's Manoa and how he's feeling. Just been working on different things in, in, in bullpens and you know, uh, this, this is the time where you can use them, you know, so um, ERA doesn't matter here, runs doesn't matter here, um, you know, but being able to effectively use those combinations and them working, that's a huge confidence booster because you're, you're literally seeing what you're working on in the bullpen transfer into the game and then working, you know, so um, I feel like we're, we're definitely heading in the right direction. All right, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll walk that road with Buck Martinez a little later on in the show, so the Jays and Manoa look pretty good. Oh, it's just amazing that they can lose 7 nothing, and the worries, there are none. Right. Spring. At least That's the now. beauty of it, at, at least, least for now. now. Uh, Canada. Team Canada taking on the Chicago Cubs. You mentioned it earlier in the intro. That's uh, before their first World Baseball Classic game against Great Britain on Sunday. Top of the first, Cubs 2017 15th round draft pick Jared Young. Takes one all the way off the wall. Two runs coming to score on the double. Canada nice. leads. Two zip. Top three we go. Tied at two. London, Ontario's Jacob Robson leading the inning off. I know where Sends one over the fence in Mesa, Arizona, Canada. Retakes the lead 3-2. Top four now tied at three. I think it was London, England. <laughs> Abraham Toro. Nice. Down the line. The Milwaukee Brewer ends up on second with a double going heavy on Canada highlights here. Two batters later, Blue Jays prospect Otto Lopez brings Toro home with an RBI single. Canadians take a 4-3 lead. Bit of a burn burner here. Bottom four, Nico Horner. Pop up in foul territory. That's Freddie Freeman doing what he does best. Oh, that's nice. Oh, look at Freeman. Great grab. Careful, though. Some folks in LA getting a little nervous. Up against the tarp. No kidding. Bottom six, Cody Bellinger. Gets a hold of one. That's good. Yeah. Let's see if he gets it back though. It's been a tough couple of years. Clears the wall. Cubs tied up at four. Currently six four for the Chicago Cubs in the bottom of the seven is Canvas. Getting tuned up. Have you uh yeah, tuned up. Tuned up. For their tune up. For the tune-up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, have you have you watched any of the World Baseball Classic games? Like well, I was watching that game earlier. This, yeah. this morning I was watching uh, Panama and Chinese mm -hmm. Taipei, 6 a.m. Sportsnet 1. And, You're uh, dedicated. I, I got kids. 
They wake so up you, early. Then that's to go why to you were up early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'd be fast asleep. Like, what time, just, did, you get up? What time did you get up today? Seven forty-five. Baloney. I got woken up by the dog at seven forty-five. Bull- and then you went back to bed. No, I didn't. I got up. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> What's he laughing at? I've asked you before, and you've given me like elevens. One time you slept past our meeting That's at twelve thirty. I wasn't feeling well. Seven forty-five. I woke up by two dogs. Actually, so you we could have been watching my, uh, Panama and Chinese Taipei, or you could have been watching Faisal Kamisa and Danielle Michaud. One yeah. of the two. Yeah, I don't think either of those were on. I think it was. We're watching Breakfast Television. We watching Six Arrow on Breakfast Television. No, I think Breakfast my wife Television? was watching some other show. I don't, oh. I don't even know. Okay. Anyway, what's the story? Well, well no, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Chinese Taipei and Panama were playing, and I was shocked at how... I am already addicted to the Uh-oh. pitch clock. I was shocked at how slow oh, you're Gen the Z-er game now. was. Yeah, No attention span. My, well, listen, all of us have a low attention span. I don't know, like... Why people keep saying the kids don't have a oh, it's a disaster. Attention. I got yeah. with you. Everyone, Everyone has yeah, a low, short a attention yeah. span. Yeah, all you do is look at headlines. Yes. I've seen it before. Yes. It's Twitter. <laughs> you have look at this. It, yeah, well, this is just like last year in <laughs> Major League Baseball. And we're already not used to it anymore. It's this crazy. is like high leverage baseball, and then high right. leverage baseball become like I was aghast at how slow. This game was moving. Understandably. And I've seen like three games with the pitch clock. I'm already addicted to it. Yeah, I just, I, I, I guess we're, I guess we're already used to it, which is crazy. I mean, it's just a spring. And <laughs> look at this. I, I guess that's the whole point is that the players are going to get used to it now, and it's going to eventually, you think, make for a, a better product. But, I mean, it's a stark difference. Like it's way, crazy. By the way, speaking, look at, like take Still this going. in. Yeah, this is amazing. I, I know, I know. There's people that, that like that though. I know that you're, no, no, no one likes, everyone who's talking about, I enjoy the little things in sports. I enjoy baseball for the subtleties of the game, but you don't enjoy that. What about the playoffs though? You you said it was a high high leverage situation. What if it's a playoffs? Right. And that's, that's where people are going to have the biggest problem with trying to speed up Mm -hmm. the pace of the game, because I don't know that umpires are going to hold the players to that kind of uh, in high leverage spot. Tricky, yeah. Period. It's gonna be tricky. Period. It's a lot easier to ring someone up in spring training. We'll ask Buck Martinez. Love who's it. it harder on? The umpires, the hitters, the pitchers, mm-hmm. or the broadcasters who no longer have to do the bottom of the thing. Producer and in the truck. What Here comes Dicky Thought. He it's has crazy. the largest knob on his bat in the history of Major League Baseball. Johnny, that thing is about four inches of pure athletic tape. All right, still to come. Harry Carey? Is that your Harry Carey? <laughs> I don't think. Why Fergie got to catch the stray here? This is on now, Sportsnet One. Uh, this is the Cubs and Canada. If you'd like to watch, we don't mind you flipping over. Flip on back when you get a chance. Though. All right, still to come. Ken Reed, hour number two. Elliot Friedman will also join us in that second hour. Plus, Buck Martinez on the Jays. I don't know why I had to say it that way, but that's the way he says it. Buck Martinez. Also on the way, we continue to celebrate International Women's Day as the director of Ice Queens. The documentary, Kwame Damone Mason joins us in studio with Sarah Nurse. And after the break, friend of the show, Natalie Spooner in studio. So Buck Martinez will come up a little later on Tim and Friends. Let's go. Strome sauces the Zegers between the legs. Stoppage here. Oh, we got a dog on the field. Hey, hey, what a touch! Hey, hey. 
I wonder if he's going to play in the position K9. On the outside corner, strike three called. Alec Manoa punches out a pair in a perfect second inning. As a kid growing up in Spain, I had a dream. I wanted to become a basketball player, play in the NBA. I never in a million years could think that a day like this could have come. It's been an honor. It truly has. Muchas gracias a toda la afición de los Lakers, a la comunidad hispana. Gracias, de verdad, de corazón. Kiddos, uh, my next guest is here to talk about a bunch of things from IWD to motherhood, from books to kicking American ass and taking names. It is two time Olympic gold medalist, amazing racer, and friend of the show, Natalie Spooner. Four on three power play. Oh, oh, what? What? Knock, knock, who's there? Gold medal in the face. That's who's there. Now Spooner going to the net. Natalie Spooner scores. That is a Natalie Spooner goal. Coast to coast. Show us how it's done here. Okay. There's one for one. All right. Oh, All right. so close. Two nice. for three. All right. I'm a three loser. Three for four. I'm a huge loser. Oh, oh, oh. Post it out. I almost want to get there it. There you go. Oh, I almost want to get it out. Natalie Spooner one on one. She scores. See you later, water bottle. What a beauty. Who's there? Gold medal in the face. Woo! Gold medal in the face, baby. Gold medal. Natalie Spooner. Her idea. <laughs> it was her idea. It was her idea, and it was brilliant. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jesse, now you can clap. Natalie Spooner so joins excited. us now. I was so excited. Oh, good Been time. Too long, good time. homie. Uh, and by the way, congratulations on the birth of Rory Sydney Redman. Uh, your excuse for not dropping by. Congrats <laughs> to you and Adam. Thank you, thank you. Well, it's been a little crazy busy, but we will get there eventually. <laughs> Understood. Uh, middle name Sydney. Just tell me it's not gold medal in the face guy. It is not. It's um, <laughs> my granddad and my great granddad. That's awesome. Uh, way better than the gold medal in the face guy. So how how is motherhood treating you? It's good. It's uh, been busy and a lot of learning, but I mean, Rory is amazing. And um, I mean, there's nothing that beats the snuggles uh, he gives. So just trying to kind of learn every day and embrace it all and take it all in. But it's been amazing so far. Awesome. So So Rory comes in December and you're already back on the ice? Yeah, so I got back on about four weeks after starting to practice, but I've only played games for the last two weekends. So we're a little bit new to the games, but we're, we're back. So Nafisa Collier came on here yesterday. She plays basketball, and she was talking about going back 74 days after, and I was in absolute awe. Like, this is, I mean, I have no idea what it's like, but is it timing? Like, what is it when you get back on? Um, for sure, timing. Just, I mean, there's so many different factors at first that you got to work through, and just your body has gone through all these changes. But um, getting into a game, yeah, it's it's a lot of timing. And luckily, I started. You know, I kept skating through most of my pregnancy, so it wasn't really the touches, but it was really just the speed and the timing um, to get back. All right, awesome. I, I said we're going to talk about a bunch of things, and I mentioned International Women's Day off the top. The theme uh, this year is embrace equity. And uh, 
Listen, you and I have had conversations about the PWHPA, how to grow the game. You've checked me in the past, which I love. How, how close are we to sustainable professional hockey and a league that you can play in? I mean, I think we're on the right track and we're getting there. Um, you know, we've been on this Dream Gap tour for a few years now and we've had amazing crowds and lots of little girls like you see there watching us and cheering us on. So we're showing that, you know, there is a market for this game. And two, I think now we've seen a lot more, you know, sponsorship dollars starting to go to women's sports, which is, you know, going to be a huge help. Um, more TV time, more of our games on TV and just growing the fan base. Uh, so I think we're, you know, we're right there. Um, we're so excited. There's, you know, especially now as a mom to see that there could be, you know, professional league where women can have maternity leave and, um, you know, women can have this as a full-time career and not have to have, you know, side jobs um, or a real job, they call it at the time now, but, right. you know, that they can really have a career in hockey, I think is so exciting. I've also had convos with uh, with Diana Matheson, Christine Seclair, Stephanie Labay, uh, all on the women's soccer side of things. Like, mm -hmm. there, there are similar tasks that they are tackling right now. Are you watching the women's soccer battle in this country? For sure. I mean, I think our women's soccer team has really, you know, brought this to a forefront, too, and um, we've seen how much success that they've had on the world stage, just like, you know, our women's hockey team. And now that we're still fighting to get a professional, you know, hockey and soccer, you know, teams in, in Canada, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. And then you look at the rest of the world and what they're doing right now. Listen, I saw some, you know, some positive news, some, some women's sports sponsorship announcements over the last little while. Canadian mm -hmm. Tire, not sure if you saw that. Uh, GE Appliances yeah. wrote a letter to Canada Soccer saying we would like to help the women specifically. You've lived it in real terms. What can more companies, uh, increased funding, really do in real life? Like we all hear the terms, right? Like we want to be inclusive. We want to hear. In real life, what does it mean to you? Oh, it means everything. I mean, I think that obviously we've put our heart and soul into trying to bring you know, a truly professional league um, to the forefront. And it is going to be those, you know, corporations and those companies that support us that are going to believe in us and help us get there. Um, so it really means everything that, you know, we are seeing more dollars going into the women's game because we deserve it. We train equally as hard. We do the same things. So, you know, why do we not get the same opportunities? Right. So part of that, that real life funding has you here in partnership with Scotiabank, who, when pausing their sponsorship during the Hockey Canada scandals, pledged not just to keep their money, but as their CEO, Brian Porter, put it, create positive change in the sport. Part of that positive change, not all of it, but part of it is the commissioning and release of a book inspired by Rock Carrier's classic, The Hockey Sweater. Here's Donovan Bennett and author uh, J.L. Richardson, The Hockey Jersey. Can you walk me through how this book came together? I remember getting a, an email about, you know, would you be interested in writing a hockey book? It was from Scotiabank. And I remember the line that really secured it for me, which was, you know, we're interested in changing the face of hockey. Once I heard what the story was about, it really resonated with me as I love uh, creating work that showcases diversity. There's a sense of awareness with Scotia that books matter that stories can change things, they can change people, and people can change the world. Being someone of color 
Being able to see myself in a children's book as a young age was always something that I dreamt of. My hope is that a kid reads this book in school and loves it so much that they read it every day and that it becomes a book that is just fundamentally part of who they are. All right, so Nat, you've been a part of this for a while. What did you think when you first read the book? Oh, I loved it. I mean, the first thought was when I grew up, you know, we didn't have books with females on the front for a hockey book. So right away, I was like, wow, Karima, way to go. And then, you know, getting into it and reading it, there was so many things that resonated with me from, you know, friendship, teamwork, um, the support that she had. And then even, you know, she had her neighbor who she got hand-me-down jerseys from, um, you know, who was there supporting her. And it just brought me back to, like, my older brother's uh, who, you know, always supported me, but also I had all their hand-me-down equipment for a while there playing other than, you know, my Jill. But other than that, I got all their <laughs> hand-me-downs. Um, I know you got a little trailblazer in you, but for many, you need to see it before you achieve it. Do, do you remember, and I know you had older brothers and you had brothers who played the game and were pretty good players, but do you remember when you first saw yourself represented in the game that you love and, and how important that was to you? Yeah, oh. Man, I think, uh, you know, probably the first time that, like, it really resonated with me was actually, like, coming back after the Olympics and getting to share my gold medal with lots of little girls and just realizing, like, how impactful that was to them. Because yeah, yeah. for me, when I was 11 and I met Jennifer Botterill and I saw her gold medal, that was, like, my moment. Like, aha, I could be like her. I can do this. So for me to kind of be in that position after the Olympics, it was like, wow, it's like come full circle. And now I'm that person for these little girls. And they're going to now, you know, have this dream um, and realize that they can do it. That's awesome. Uh, you've been involved with the book since its release, as I mentioned. What's the feedback been like? It's been amazing. I mean, I think that there's, you know, NHL teams that want it. There's libraries that want it. There's teachers. Um, there's so many different people that it's even been offered, you know, to uh, have it printed in Braille, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's a, it's an amazing book, and I hope every kid uh, can read it and hopefully be inspired and, and see themselves in the game of hockey, which I think is the most important part. Yeah, that's the part that uh, I think everyone wants to get across here. Hey, I mentioned the pledge from Scotiabank uh, doing their part to create actual change in the sport. Uh, you've been around it your entire life. Uh, you grew up in Scarborough. Uh, you've seen a lot of things growing up. Are, are you starting to see some of that change, no matter how slow it might be? Yeah, I mean, I think it is, it's slow, um, but we're for sure seeing change. And I think there's really important people in the game now that are helping with that. I mean, we talk about Sarah Nurse on our team and I see all the work that she's doing and it's pretty amazing. And, you know, um, Scotiabank's Hockey for All and everything they're doing. And with this book, the proceeds, uh, it will go to Hockey for Youth, which, you know, is going to help so many kids be able to get into hockey and do skill sessions on and off the ice for free. So um, just opening the doors for so many more people to get into the game. So Every single person, you know, is has hockey that is accessible to them. Uh, I love, you're already a professional broadcaster. You already did my segue for me. Sarah Nurse is coming up next right here on Tim and Friends. So we'll continue, yes, we'll continue it on. Thank you God. didn't even know. And you, and just a layup. That's all. It's a slap shot from the slot easily. Hey, listen, uh, thanks for stopping by and sharing this with us. Uh, you know, do door is always open on Tim and Friends. Tim and Sid, whatever the hell we call this thing, door is always open to you. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Natalie Spooner.
Yeah, Timmy, we're giving away five copies of the hockey jersey to friends of the show. So to win, send us a picture of you or your kids in a favorite hockey jersey. Everyone who submits oh, a nice. picture will be entered to win, and we will pick five winners at random. Check out Tim and Friends or at Tim and Friends for a post by Natalie letting you know how to enter. So can I put my uh, my Toronto Arrows jersey on and take a picture and send it in or what? I don't think you're going to win, but... Oh, okay. I'm not... I'm, I appreciate the participation for sure. After the break, a new documentary debate debuts tonight. Sportsnet 360. It's called Ice Queens and features black female hockey players who are breaking boundaries. Sarah Nurse joins us next to discuss along with the director, Kwame Damone Mason. Next, right here on Tim and Friends as we roll on. Ice Queens represents all the strong, amazing, incredible black females at all levels of the sport of ice hockey that are paving the way for future generations. Guess who's a playoff team? I could be the forecast of the future of the women's game. The black girls are coming. Being able to see it, you believe you can be it. Representation counts. When you want something to be where it should be, it's never fast enough. Having a gold medal sitting on my chest was the most incredible feeling in the whole world. I'm just happy that I can be the player of color for many younger girls. I was a player. I was a coach. I represented my country. I've been in the game for over 40 years, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for our game. That's Ice Queens, a documentary by this man, Kwame Damone Mason, uh, starring in part this woman who joins us, Sarah Nurse. Thank you both for coming on and sharing this doc, this doc, which is set to drop tonight, Sportsnet 360 at least, because it's already dropped other places, yeah. following Hockey Central at 7.30 Eastern time. All right, so I'm glad you both are here, but allow me to quote one of my favorite queens, Latifah, mm. and I'll recite the chapter in verse. The title of this recital is Ladies First. Okay. So Sarah, I will start with you. Uh, Kwame reaches out and says, Ice Queens, we're doing a documentary on women in hockey of color. What was your response to that? I mean, say less. Like, he has done such an incredible job, uh, obviously, with Soul and Ice prior. And I've been able to be a part of his podcast, be on a few times. And just getting to speak with Kwame, you understand his passion um, and the real fire that he's ignited to you know, bring hockey to black people and make it the most uh, inclusive space, make everybody feel welcome. And so when he wanted to include me to the project, um, it was such a privilege and definitely an honor. And so I'm excited that I'm able to be a part of it and able to share. All right. So you mentioned Soul on Ice. I said the latest piece by Kwame because some people may know you as a director uh, and the man who put together Soul on Ice as well. So bear with me on this, everyone, because I've always strived to make sure that I'm listening and learning, especially as a straight white dude with this platform, to make sure, you know, sometimes you got to mm -hmm. be silent. That means listen, you switch the words around, you switch it. I've always thought it was important. And I was lucky enough to grow up where I did, have a lot of good friends from many different backgrounds and have real conversations. And because of it, even in 2023, I've never been afraid to be checked, Right. okay? And something I say, something I do, I'm okay with it because even though it can be hard, it usually leads to real conversations. And sometimes 
real change. I go all this way to say, Kwame, I heard that your getting checked yes. led to this process <laughs> yeah. and led you down this road. Yeah, so when I, um, when I showed Soul on Ice, past, present, and future, back in uh, 2015, 2016 with the National Hockey League, I was touring a, a, a lot of the uh, NHL cities, having a great time, a lot of success. People are embracing it. I'm feeling good about myself. Right. I'm in Chicago. <laughs> we show the film, and everybody's asking me great questions. Again, feeling myself, right. feeling good. And then this young little black girl got up and said to me, where are all the black girls? And uh, it, it, it made me sink because when I was making Soul on Ice, um, I really wanted to um, include the story of um, Sarah Nurse, the story of Angela James. Those are the two women that I knew of at that time. Right. Um, Sarah's dad wouldn't return my phone call, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Angela James, and she'll tell you this story, like I was hounding her and I just, I didn't have my stuff together at that time. And mm -hmm. I wasn't able to really give that part of the story justice, so I kind of left it out. But when this young lady in Chicago uh, checked me about that, I said it's my mission that one day I'll uh, make sure I tell the story of these women because I think it's very important to tell the story of women in hockey mm -hmm. and, and more importantly, black women in hockey because sometimes when you're talking about a women's movement, black women are usually the ones that are left out of the conversation, and especially hockey. I wanted to make sure they were included. That's awesome. So, Sarah, you're a little bit younger than us. Uh, Kwame may have seen it through a bit of a different lens than you. When, when when you went through this process in making this film, what, what was your experience like and, and kind of walking through that road? Yeah, I guess I was willing to be included in however Kwame wanted me. Uh, so being able to sit down and just have a genuine conversation um, and honestly record it because I know that him and I have had conversations over the years and they've all been so educational and empowering and just awesome conversations and so the fact that we're able to share that with the world um, is pretty special and being a part of a movie with other rock star black women uh, who are in hockey like Kelsey like Angela like Blake is again such an honor for me and I know that right now um, it's our stories that are being told but as Stewie mentioned in that trailer like black girls are here and you know i look at the young ones who are coming up like jada ginla or, or dayton o'donohue and you know black girls are here and black girls are going to be around for a really long time in the game and they're going to have a huge impact on the game and this really just is the cusp of everything so i'm super excited that i was able to be a part of it and um again to kwame for for making this film is is going to inspire a generation of, of players i want to talk about it at a flash but as you can tell by all the papers in front of me, i do enjoy <laughs> research every once in a while yeah so what did you learn while making this? Man, I learned that um, really that, that it's very important that we share stories of these great women because it matters. Representation matters. You know, um, this generation of young black girls that are playing hockey, they've got Blake Bolden, they got Sarah Nurse, uh, they got Michaela Grant Mentis to look up to and say, this is who I want to be. Mm -hmm. But when you go back and you ask like a Blake Bolden, which I did uh, in private conversations, who did you look up to when you grew up? She mentioned all these other um, male figures that w she had posters on the wall, but then when she talked to me about Angela James, she said, if I had known about Angela James, she would have been on, on my wall. And I think 
you know, for a woman, and I'm speaking of Angela James, who literally helped change the way the female game is played today, and for us not to celebrate that and encourage um, people to know her story and know what she went through. She went, she went to, she was in Flemington Park. Yeah. You and I know what Flemington Park was yeah. back in the 80s. Yeah. So um, I think it's, it's the biggest thing that I learned is that representation matters on all levels, especially for young girls. I'm gonna dig into that in a flash, but I do wanna follow up, Sarah, with you also. Like, we hear buzzwords all the time. We've almost become immune to some of them. Uh, all the commercials and days like today, we hear the word inclusive, and I'm gonna be honest, sometimes I struggle to see it. There are barriers to sport all over. As a girl dad, um, knowing that according to experts, 50% of girls drop out of sports in adolescence. Hockey can be specifically uh, ridiculously expensive. Do you think seeing strong women like you, like Angela James, like Blake, like Kim Davis, can inspire the girls or inspire other girls to take up and more importantly, stick with the game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, honestly, it's so important seeing young women, girls in sports because not everybody's going to make it to the professional level. Not everybody's going to be an Olympian. Not everybody's going to be a player. You know, some people may be coaches. Some yeah. people may be executives. Um, but understanding that within that sport and team environment, there are so many core values that I have been able to learn and that so many others learn through sport. Um, some of the relationships and the opportunities that I've been able to have have come directly through sport. And obviously, I wouldn't be the person that I am today without it. Um, but there are barriers. And from a very young age for myself, I've always felt othered. I'm playing hockey as a girl. And then as I start playing girls hockey, um, I am like the black girl on the team. And so I am always just one step removed. And so through films like this and through different forms of representation, you're not only inspiring you know, people to take up sport, you're not only inspiring women to play sports, but you're inspiring them to feel safe in sport environments. As I mentioned, going to hockey arenas, that's not always an inviting place. Mm. Not even like that's not even talking about touching the ice, um, being in boardrooms, being at a coaching level, being in, in marketing for a sports team like those are not always comfortable environments. And so having things like this is going to be able to relate to a lot of people and show them that there is actually a place for black women, black people, women in hockey. Yeah, And if anyone gets robbed of all the experience, I was a terrible athlete, a <laughs> terrible player, but I ended up with a job in it because I loved yeah. it so much. And those are the things just sticking with the sport. I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I had three older brothers that were way better than me, so I knew it. But I grew up skating with my pops at North York Centennial Arena. They had a skate there. My old man, now that's Herb Carnegie Arena. Yep. I grew up playing at Flemington Park. That is now Angela James Arena. I rent that arena with my kids and we'll go out and we'll skate at that arena. And, you know, I heard you describe Angela Kwame as, as changing the game quietly. And that, yeah. that stood out to me. Explain that a little bit. Um, you know, Angela's such a very humble person, you know. She, she's not really so much wanting to be in front of the camera, but she's got her feet dipped into so many different avenues, you know. You know, working with the Toronto Six, I know she mentors a lot of young girls. I know she coaches a lot of young girls. And these are the things that, like, I always tell her. I'm like, Angela, you got to let people know. And she just tells me, it's like, 
nah, Kwame, this is what I do. This is my passion. It's not about the front page. It's about actually making a difference. And the simple fact that she is staying within the women's game tells me a lot about her character because she can get so many different positions in the NHL, maybe some different teams, head office and all that, but she decided that she's not going to do that. She's going to stay within the women's game because if she leaves, then who is going to take up for the young women? Who are going to take up for the, 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 the ladies that are playing the game? And so that's why I say she's uh, making a difference quietly. Uh, there are times for quietly changing things, and there's sometimes where you got to be loud. Yes, yes. Uh, I hope this is loud and clear. Sarah knows this. Uh, open door anytime you want to pop by. NHL analyst, uh, superstar player, gold medalist, anytime the you want to pop by. The Green Eyed Bandit. The Green Eyed Bandit. EPMD <laughs> reference you here. Kwame, uh, same thing to you. Thank you you are now officially a friend. Uh, appreciate anytime it. Anytime you want to pop by, uh, feel free. Doors are open. And big shout out to Socrates, who did the end song today for, for all those. Uh, Canadian hip-hop fans, yes. uh, my man, one of my favorite artists of all time, Socrates, did the uh, last song for the uh, for the film, and uh, I, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Yeah, he's done some Raptors openings in the yes, past that yes. have been absolute fire. I uh, appreciate both of you stopping by. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, Sarah. There is Sarah Nurse, Kwame Damone, Mason here on Team Friends. Coming up, the whirling dervish that is Ken Reed will join me in studio. Hour number two will be joined by Elliot Friedman as we go around the league with playoff races heating up a wee bit. Tim and Friends, a full second hour on the way. Please stay tuned. Bye-bye. Tim and Friends, now for Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and Friends of the Thank Show. Thank you very much, Team Dogs. Back here, second full hour on Tim and Friends. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the whirling dervish that is Ken Reed. Hey, buddy. And I uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Haven't been here in a while. Your no, beard has got quite thick <laughs> since our, my last contractually so, obligated appearance. It's a little out of control. Uh, how do you, I, I can't do that, man. I get itchy after 10 days. You know what's funny is that uh, someone pointed out you just put some oil on it and you're good. And then I was like, oh. That's beard oil. Yeah, I had no idea that you put right. a little oil on it and you'd be good. Yeah, I, I don't want to oil up my face, though. I, I just shave after 10, <laughs> 10 days or so. Right. Yeah, there's too many lines that my brain is circling through right well, here. Well, you went through all your lines there when you were describing uh, the nether regions of uh, yeah. Corey did, Perry there did, in the did, first did, So which one did you think was worse? Because Jesse brought it up to me, told me that uh, Tony D'Angelo was suspended two games and Ryan Hartman gets fined. Like, to I, me, the, the worst one was the spear in the Johnnies just because of the disrespect of it. Like, I'm, I'm all for hacking a guy's wrist. Like, that's cool. <laughs> But um, you can break a wrist that was with a these gloves. Chop, like, it's not well, even close. Yeah, I mean, we're not break wearing anything with one of these little. You could break a lot nah, when you're you spearing can't. a guy nah, in the Come testicles. On. Come on, um, you really think that that was a two-game suspension? I yes. know no one likes either guy, but whatever. Yes, that's, but, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what. Like, if you rewind that play. Perry slashed the dude first. That's why D'Angelo did it. To be frank, oh. D'Angelo could have done it harder, but he didn't. But, uh, but that no, was hold a nasty on a second. Slash too. Like you know what D'Angelo did is not going to hurt Perry. Five guys jump him. Okay. Hold on, let me finish. Yep. Five guys jump him. Isn't that punishment enough? Like. Well, adding two games. I'm to glad it. the five guys jump. How do you know that that's not going to hurt a man? I. I I know what you I've won. Play, you would have played out on more. I've played you. with you. Yes, and I know that you would. If someone speared you there, you'd laugh. I'd laugh, but yeah. then I'd yeah. <laughs> but well, I wouldn't laugh. I, I'd expect the same reaction. They reacted properly, but 
Yeah, I, I, it's just the it's the thought of spearing a guy there that's worse than the hack on the wrist. Right. That's what makes it bad. It's like, you don't do that to a guy. Come on. I did write down a Frank D'Angelo reference coming. Yeah, it was, that didn't <laughs> take long. Yeah. All right, listen, Scotia Bank. Wednesday night, hockey tonight features the Jets hosting the Wild. Coming off that shootout loss to the Flames last night. Jets disappointing loss to the Sharks on Monday. Colorado took care of them, so you know maybe the level of that team. Either way, they enter the night at four points up on the Flames in the wild card race with more. Let's go live to Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg. Sean, it's been tough sledding for the Jets against the Wild this season, hasn't it? Yes. Yes, it has, Tim. If you want to point out something that tears the scab off for Winnipeg Jets fans, their relationship with the Minnesota Wild will do just fine so far. They've met twice the last time they played. It was a 4-1 victory for the Minnesota Wild just after Christmas. Earlier in the season, the Wild beat the Jets 6-1, so they've outscored them 10-2 in just two games. And in that first game, they beat them 6-1. That's when the Jets were just firing on all cylinders, looked like one of the best teams in the league. And they were really humbled in that game by the Minnesota Wild. So if you're the Jets looking at this, you could be thinking, hey, we're not playing that good. And even when we were at our best, this team was beating us. That's one way to look at it. Or they could look at it like it's time to go out and get a little bit of retribution. They kicked their ass a few times uh, in the previous couple of years. So uh, we're on home ice tonight, and, and we got to send a message that, uh, you know, this could be a playoff matchup. So it should be a big game. Now, gentlemen, if there's hope here for this Winnipeg Jets team tonight as they struggle to find their game, it's that, no, they're not scoring a lot of games, although they were a little while ago, but their offense seems to kind of disappear at the worst possible time. The good thing for them is the Minnesota Wild haven't been able to score either, so these two teams looking at it very differently. Minnesota looking at Winnipeg saying, hey, maybe they can get the ball rolling for us again, and the Jets looking and saying, hey, this team can't really score right now. Maybe that gives us our best chance to turn things around and get some good feeling back in our dressing room nice uh Reynolds we got a wrap <laughs> appreciate it buddy <laughs> see you later he's heard that one a couple times he's heard that one a couple times uh I extend uh sympathies to anybody who watches that game tonight if the while they're leading yeah. and if they take command of the game because they play horrendously boring hockey right. oh man I, I I watched them in Toronto a couple weeks ago, then Saturday night. Um, the guys were trying to be nice about it after the second period mm-hmm. on the hockey night game. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's listen, it's, the world's better off we, if we, the Minnesota Wild don't win. That's we all we changed rules in the NHL to avoid crap to like avoid that. To avoid stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I understand what you're talking about. They I'm play boring you. hockey. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Boring can be effective. That's what they do when they win. Oh, Canucks, Ducks tonight. Let's go, Connor Bedard. They're not going to bring decent late, though. They've won three, uh, four, and five their last eight under Rick Tockett. Catch it on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. What will Travis, Trevor Zegers do tonight? Yeah, we'll have to see. That was a pretty nice goal last That's night. Although, I thought the Makar was better. Did you see the Makar last night? I did see the Makar last All right, bad news for the Sens as Cam Talbot will be out. He just hasn't been able to catch a break here. Three weeks, lower body injury, missed a month recently and had won three of four starts after returning. So the Sens playoff push will now count on Mad Sogard and Kevin Mendolese. 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 How good is it going to be tomorrow night, the Oilers in Boston? Remember, 
Brad Marchand stirring it up. Who wants to play in the All-Star game if it's in Edmonton? Did that a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's, he's doubling down for the proof that if you don't like Brad Marchand, I don't like you. And he doesn't care. What would Davis do in the league right now is it's truly incredible. Um, you know, he's definitely one of the best players ever played the game and, and uh, it's special to watch. We're still fans of the game, you know, and, and it's it's a lot of fun to you know witness history um, firsthand and, and be able to say you know we all played against him. So that's pretty cool. Do you think Marshawn could be Marshawn in Canada? Could he be that pest or that outspoken no, I mean, with the I, media? No, I love, I love how honest he is, whether you agree with him or not. He could be. Yeah, could you think be. so? Yeah, I think he could he, be. I think, like, he would get absolutely – there'd be people in front of the – He'd stop yeah, after he, a while. You think uh, so? He'd say it's not worth it anymore. Yeah. Really, maybe. I, I, yeah, they get, they get a lot of media attention in Boston. I think he'd be who he is. That's right. one of the things about a guy like that is mm. – it's it's tough to cover up who you are. To be yourself is all that you can do. Audio slate, baby. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I wish to see more of that in hockey. Like, that's Me what I'm too. saying. Like, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Whether I agree with them or not, I find it entertaining. Mm-hmm. I find it honest. I find it really refreshing. And I find that we need more of that. Maybe Elliot Friedman has an opinion. Time now for 3 of 32 with Elliot Friedman. 3 of 32, as always, brought to you by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Elliot joins us now. Fridge, do you think that Marshawn could be Marshawn in Canada? Yes, because yeah. I think he would just say, if you don't like it, too bad. Amen. Amen. That's, yeah. Speaking of if you don't like it, too bad. Why did you agree to be on the show today? Shouldn't you be off for the rest of the year after trade <laughs> deadline? Like, why are you here? This is garbage. You I wish you off. were my boss. Can I wish you were in charge of scheduling me? I'd really like that, <laughs> dude. All this, it, it all is, this. He, hold on. You're not contractually obligated to be here. This dude is actually contractually is obligated. He? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we wow. do. We read a promo off the top of every time he comes on. He has to do it. Actually, I have to say this, Tim. <laughs> yeah. I am. I don't believe I am contractually obligated, but I was told it got sold. So I, I do feel the obligation. <laughs> How can you guys sell Elliot and you can't I'm sell me? I'm not here because I want to be here. So I feel kind. that I'm yeah. morally obligated to be here. You know wow. what? You know what, Freach? Oftentimes we can tell. All you right. Get a, you have a good. You have a good. Freach, you have a good sponsor too. What's what is it? The oh, GMC. GMC. You could sell me yeah. to like some AT4X. sort of adult enhancement product, wouldn't you? Like my appearances or something right. like that. All right. Let's Tro- move. I don't know company. if we could. I don't know if we. We could, Ken, but we probably should. We can extend my appearances to twice a week. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's talk about what Marshawn said. If Marshawn's Ken is here said. for more than four hours, please call me. <laughs> yes. Call your doctor, right. Uh, so Marshawn's talking about McDavid. And my dad gets that stuff yeah. for free anyway. He's a doctor. <laughs> And we've run out of superlatives for what McDavid is doing. Uh, How imperative is it on Edmonton to capitalize on what McDavid is doing right now? Oh, look, I think that's why they went out and they got Eckholm. I think that's why they, uh, you know, look, look, they know what their their window is, and that's the next couple of years while McDavid and Dreisaitl are are still under their current contracts. Um, you know, they, that's why they considered going out and getting Timo Meyer. Um, you know, I, I just think the Oilers uh, know that while they have these particular players, they better take a- advantage of it, right? 
and McDavid's having an incredible season. The, the, the Hart Trophy race is over. He's going to win it. I think the only question now is whether or not he wins it unanimously or somebody votes for someone else. Um, but the Oilers are well aware that um, this is winning that lottery was a gift, and you better take advantage of that gift. Why can their current roster make the argument that the current roster as it is could succeed in the playoffs? Why? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I think that, uh, you know, number one is the goaltending. I mean, right now, Skinner's the guy. There's no question that if you have a worry there right now, it's goaltending. Um, you know, I just think that there, nobody there needs to stand on their head. They simply need to be one save better than anybody else. And that's all you need from your Oilers goaltenders. Like, Ken, you're a big hockey fan, a big historian. I yeah. think the number of true franchise number one goalies is dropping. I think there's not enough to go around the NHL. So I think a lot of teams, even some of the true contenders, they just need a guy who's good enough to make one save more than the other guy. I think Eckholm was a perfect ad for him. Um, you watched the winning goal the other night in Buffalo. That was a perfect example of what he's capable of doing, going back, getting the puck, getting it out. Um, you know, I think every team has its flaws. But when I look at Edmonton with those two guys, I, I think they're just as good as anybody in the West to win it. The one thing I do wonder about are the Avalanche. How healthy are they going to be? Um, I'm really curious to see that. I think Makar is the biggest difference maker in the NHL outside of Edmonton. But I, I look at that roster and, yeah, do I see flaws? Sure, I see flaws. But I think they're at their best. They're as good as anybody else there, assuming the Avalanche aren't completely healthy. Yeah, when you say one say better, I can't help but think of Grant Fuhrer. That was, that was his whole mantra. That's, mm -hmm. that's how he did it in Edmonton. So, yeah, that, that's fitting. Mm-hmm. It's mm -hmm. interesting I feel uh, that way very much. The contracts given out in Alberta and in southern Alberta, mm -hmm. it was six by six for Jacob Markstrom. Are we starting to see a mm -hmm. little bit uh, of a different Jacob Markstrom or are you not convinced by the last uh, the last few games? We'll call it four. Well, you know what? It's better. Like, I, I just don't think, you know, unfortunately this year there's been more of the the uh, the rough games than there have been the good games. And I hope this is a good omen for Calgary. I hope that they can create a race because I just don't like, like, the East looked like we're going to have an awesome playoff race. The West doesn't look like it. I hope Calgary creates one because I think we all want to see it. Um, I think that Maybe a week is too soon. Yeah, that's true. That's a good <laughs> point. I think, I think a week is too soon, Tim, to yeah. proclaim yeah. that there's been a turnaround and he's going to be better, but it's, it's a good omen. There's, there's no question about that. You know, I, I was thinking that, you know, Tim, like, you know, Ken's a father, you're a father, uh, I'm a father. Like, just, like, thinking about, like, Markstrom and, and his, uh, his partner had a baby last week. You know, sometimes I just do wonder if that's, like, a load off everybody's shoulders. Right. And, you know, like, that's the kind of thing I kind of look at is maybe now that that's happened, it's a phenomenal life event. Like, I can just remember how... I don't know if stressed out was the word, but everything that's on your mind is you're going through the last few days and months of that. So I kind of wondered about that uh, as he was uh, standing on his head the other the last couple of nights. Yeah, a little Freddie Van Vliet bump for uh, for Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. N never know. Yeah. Never know. You know, one of the coolest things, uh, when I was writing the book with Maruk, he was talking about when he had kids, Dennis Maruk, and I said, 
and Dennis was a nasty guy on the ice. He was super competitive. Yeah. And my assumption was if you had kids, like I became a more sympathetic person when I had kids. Right. And I said, were you more sympathetic? He goes, no. I wanted to, to win even more because people are taking food out of my kid's mouth. So <laughs> maybe that's the Markstrom bump that he got because he was awesome. Yeah, he, he was, was awesome yes. last night. Uh, earlier yeah, in the he, show. He was, he was fantastic. Sorry, yep. my bad. Um, earlier in the show, though, Jesse was asking me. See how I plugged the book there just like that? Well, yeah, it's not bad. It's sitting yeah. over there. Okay, Along with a few other ones, too. Um, Jesse asked me about the Toronto Maple Leafs win last night. And, and, you know, I don't know we can get to this different team conversation, but that was a really impressive win from the Leafs, was it not? Yeah. It was, especially considering, you know, who was out of the lineup. Um, you know, the thing that really stood out to me was Matthew's reaction on, on the goals. Um, there, there was a lot of personal frustration that kind of got poured out there. Um, you know, <laughs> Marner's been phenomenal all year. I, I think he's the MVP of the team this season, mm-hmm. uh, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But Matthews, is, as we've all seen, hasn't had, at least in terms of counting stats, what we're used to from him. The way he reacted last night when he scored and, and the big goals he scored, that was, that was meaningful for him. Um, you know, I, I think the big challenge they have is kind of fitting everyone, Tim. Yeah. They've got a lot of players who, who deserve to play, and they've got some good players who are going to have to sit out. And I think that's always a challenge to balance. And now you've got O'Reilly Hurt just as you're trying to make him part of the team. But it's a good team. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really, really good team. And that's a good win last night. It was Meyer's first game at home. They were shorthanded. They, were, they got pounded in the first period. There were a lot of excuses to lose, and they found a way. That's a good omen for them. And what a great challenge to have because all teams that win, they're going to have to go deep in the roster. I mean, they got, what, nine mm-hmm. defensemen that can play? I, I, I love mm-hmm. it. I, I, like, I know I haven't been here since the Shen pickup, but, man, I got a man crush on that move. That, that was great. I love that kind <laughs> of stuff. Yeah, you know, I think the one guy who kind of understands is Timmins. I, I think he's kind mm-hmm. of been informed that, you know, he's going to have to, he's probably not going to get a lot of minutes, but it's not going to be easy to find enough spot for the other eight guys. It's, yeah. it's going to be a challenge, but, you know, at this time of year, um, this isn't about uh, participation medals. This is about winning, and the coach has to make the decisions he feels are right. I don't want to extend this segment too much. Uh, would We've you rather get speared in the groin or two-handed in the wrist, Elliot Freeman? Jeez, <laughs> um, depends on how I feel in the particular morning. I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll, I'll take the two-hander in the wrist over the uh, spear in the groin. I have to say. Understood. Yeah. See, I have a vasectomy. What did you guys I pick? I got a vasectomy. Spear away. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Fridge, always appreciate you dropping. I'll make sure like. I have a, bra- a bag of frozen peas around. <laughs> for like curve it a hockey stick. That's all I said when it was over. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. See you, buddy. Take there care. Is Elliot Friedman wondering what the hell he signed up for? Did it on the Wednesday before the Masters. Veteran move. Well, that is a veteran <laughs> move. So you just lay with the can. The, I'll be honest. The ice peas. It was not a problem at all. Three days. Ah, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready yet. I w- watched the Masters with a bag of peas. It was great. <laughs> Four days. All right, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Masters it's Sunday over. now. I can't. I'm, I'm good, but it's Sunday. You gotta let me give me. Gotta give me Sunday the Masters. All right, we extends the hour with Kenny Reed. He's sticking around. And after the break, uh, Ken Somebody Cobb. call Anthony at Tartan Sales. We got one for him. <laughs>
We'll get Ken caught up on the Champs League highlights from today. I know that you're excited about that. Plus, Danielle Michel sits down with the WNBA Commissioner Cassie Engelberg. Next, Tim and Fence. Not a bad matchup in Champs League today. Two more quarterfinal spots on the line in the uh, Champs League action. Bayern Munich taking a 1-0 lead to the second leg against PSG, who will be without Neymar for the rest of the season after an ankle injury. But there's still this guy, Leo Messi. You ever heard of him, Kenny? Saint-Germain. Oh, <laughs> Petty Saint-Germain. Uh, Alfonso Davies here, a little slide tackle on Messi. Stays with it. Matias Delict eventually blocks it and keeps it out, so we are nil-nil. Then Jan Sommer, bad giveaway. Vitinha, wide open net. Delict again, able to clear it off the line and keep PSG off the board. You knew that. Okay. Oh 61st minute, Marco Verratti dispossessed. Muller, Goretzka, and Eric Chupamoting. Fourth goal in six matches for Bayern. 2-0 on aggregate, 89th minute. Jao Cancelo plays in Serge Gnabry. No mistake for his second Champs League goal of the season. Bayern Munich eliminate PSG after the final whistle. A fan tries to approach Messi, but down goes the fan. Didn't quite get there, although very dangerous all around. Watch this. One of the one of the security guards runs in. 2-0, you're fine. Tony D'Angelo last night. Got Thank a good since we understood. Yeah, someone should have got spirit yeah. in the match there. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, all right, so this is UEFA Champions League round of 16, second leg between Tottenham and AC Milan. Italian side leading 1 0 on aggregate. 35th minute, Harry Kane takes the first time shot. Deflection, Mike Man. Mignon, excuse me, kick saving a beauty. See that book Harry French. Kane wrote about wanting his privacy and all that? No, I didn't. Yeah. He wants his privacy? <laughs> yeah, him and Meghan Markle. I don't think that's, that's a different Harry. Different Harry? Yeah, it's a different Harry. Uh, here's Christian Romero already on a yellow. That's two. Tottenham down to 10 men. Added at a time. Here we go. Salt to deliver. Spurs fans praying for time. It's Son into the box. It's Harry Kane. It's saved by Mignon. And what a massive stop that is. I, I can't say filet on that Mignon save, can I? Oh, I can't. First time in 11 years, AC Milan advanced to the quarterfinals, 1-0 on aggregate. So, um, Harry Royal Family Popular versus buck. Harry Kane. A different guy? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Popular buck. By uh, the way, Twitter, I'm being sarcastic. That's <laughs> yeah, a joke. Uh, as mentioned on yesterday's show with Nafisa Collier in studio, WNBA is coming to Canada. Now, tickets on sale to the public now. They are going quickly as we continue our celebration of International Women's Day. Danielle Michaud recently caught up with WNBA commish Kathy Engelberg. Expansion, Canada? Here's the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely thrilled ahead of International Women's Day to get an opportunity to speak with the WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelberg. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Great to be here, Danielle. All right, Kathy, I'd be remiss if I didn't start right away by highlighting the first ever WNBA game played on Canadian soil on Monday. There was a pre-sale, and I don't know if you know this, but it basically sold out in a matter of 10 minutes. Like a scattering of tickets are available, but the whole pre-sale just gone right from the jump. How surprised are you at such an eager reaction to the game coming to Toronto? 
Well, of course, we were hoping that was the reaction to our first ever WNBA game up in Canada, in Toronto. So um, we were hoping that was the reaction, but you never know until you put the tickets on pre-sale and then put to, uh, ultimately for sale to the general public. So we're thrilled with the reaction. I started to hear about it and um, absolutely thrilled. Now, when you talk about not being in a rush to start expansion, you said in February 2025 was the goal to have one more team. How do you decide on a city and what are the biggest metrics that you're looking at in this decision making process? Yeah, it's a great question because you don't just jump in and say, we want to expand. You actually, you know, we took a look at about 100 different cities across Canada and the U.S. and put them through kind of a lens of I've come from a data background in my prior life. Um, and you know, put them through a lens of you know demographics, psychographics, uh, the NCAA, where the women's game is so popular, viewership, um, you know, our current WNBA fan base in some of these cities, which is uh, enormous, as you're seeing with uh, with Toronto. So that's all of the, kind of the factors we've been looking at as we think about expansion. Well, Toronto obviously hosting this game, and it's the city that's been highlighted as a potential Canadian destination for an expansion team. So I'm curious, how's it stacked up against the other cities that you've been looking at? Yeah, again, um, when you look at the data, Toronto scores really, really well on the data as it relates to a potential support for not just the WNBA team, but women's sports overall and the diversity of the city and a great place to be in the summer. Remember, we play in May to October, and I think Toronto is a great place to be uh, during that time of year, that season. So, um, you know, scoring very high, and now it's all about, you know, ownership groups stepping up and wanting to commit long-term. I mean, sports is a long-term commitment, as you know, um, you know, from whether it's men or women's sports. So it's it's about long-term commitment, and, and it's also about you know, affecting this business transformation and this journey we've been on for the WNBA for our current 12 owners to make sure that we're setting up new owners for success in the future. And that would include any new ownership group in China. We've seen the growth of this league. An exciting night, 25th anniversary season underway. The WNBA just got to celebrate your 25th season and throughout that you really took the time to acknowledge all the players and personnel who really helped along the way to build it to what it's become now. So who's your ultimate champion of the league and not maybe just for their play but for their efforts off the court as well to grow the game? Yeah, I can't even name one player because we've had so many players step up in times of you know, and, and I'm a big believer in you have to be your best in your darkest moments. So when we face, you know, the WNBA wobbles, <laughs> the players affectionately called it, and players courageously coming in, and then George Floyd happened, and Jacob Blake, then we were thrown in the middle of a political battle. Then what we just came off with with this geopolitical issue in Russia with Brittany Griner. So all the players have stepped up to support um, other players, to support the league, to, to really uh, speak out when it's something important to them. told me she the north is what we're pushing for the WNBA game here in Canada I'm on it I love it we're really <laughs> looking forward to, to coming up in May and um, all my experiences in my prior life in Toronto have been so positive and uh, really looking forward to our first ever game in a WNBA game in Toronto in May can't wait Kathy thank you so much thank you Danielle
And you can see a full version of that interview right now and plenty more on International Women's Day on Sportsnet.ca. You know there's a, a problem for Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors recruiting free agents to Toronto? No. There is? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. They haven't wow. really brought in some big names That's in a long true. time. That's yeah, uh, yeah. true. May to October season for the WNBA, they yeah. will not have the yeah, same problem. Yeah, summers are nice here. Yeah, it will be way easier to Just recruit keep them up, players. Keep, keep people out of traffic, that's all. Get <laughs> helicopters for them, because Toronto traffic, it's a lot. <laughs> all right, on the other side, uh, the one and only Ben Martinez joins Ken and I. We'll get his thoughts on what he saw from Alec Manoa today, plus Yusei Kukuchi's bright spring. He looks good. He looked well, one hit. 97 mile per hour heat right there. Yeah. We'll do that next in Tim and Friends. And Kenny's highlight of the day. Oh, oh yeah, up. it's huge. I know it doesn't feel like a Canada, but spring is coming. Spring is coming. How can I tell? Well, we got spring training highlights. Soon that weather will be up here. Hopefully. Uh, Alec Manoa on the bump for his third game of the camp and uh Pretty good. Three strikeouts over his first three innings. Throws just 30 pitches, 24 of them strikes. Very efficient work. So he does what Alec Manoa does. And he says, can I get one more? <laughs> and he got one more after the third. Sent him out for four. A little trouble. Man on Matt Walner doubles off the base of the Walner. Plates <laughs> a runner. It's one nothing. Minnesota next batter. Manoa. Breaking ball freezes Tyler Wright. All right, now he's done. Strikes out four over three plus innings, throws 45 pitches. Bottom four, George Springer hits one foul. Kenny Walner's over there and he climbs the Walner to make the grab. <laughs> oh, you're in deep now, buddy. Uh, no hits through four. All right, top five, Jordan Romano. Third appearance of the spring with the man aboard, Willie Castro. He will. Smash one, right field, another run scores. Two nothing twins, but he would settle down. Jay's, watch this, this is pretty nasty. Okay. Or just swinging at garbage. You make the call. Last buck. <laughs> yeah, last buck. Uh, Canadian 2Ks in his only inning of work. He did give up a run. Uh, Jay's just four hits on the day. They're not hitting, but they do pitch it pretty well. Seven nothing the final for the Twins, if that matters at all. Does it matter to you? You don't even care about the final score. Uh, you know, it's just what the particulars do. Those guys get stretched out. You know who knows yeah. more than both of us? Buck. Buck Martinez, who joins us now from his home in Florida. Buck, welcome back to Tim and Friends. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you two gentlemen tonight? Great, great. So, should we start with the Romano pitch? Was that a good pitch, or was the guy just <laughs> yeah. swinging at junk there? Was that nasty stuff, or someone swinging at garbage in spring? No, you know, he was pretty good. Uh, Manoa is real good. I thought he was uh, as smooth as uh, he is any time during the regular season. Uh, first time out, he was a little shaky. This time he was very smooth. Accomplished some things he wanted to work on. He was working on his two-seam fastball inside to the lefties and then that slider. I mean, that's always money for him. He has the ability to work both sides of the plate. And that's one thing he's really trying to do this spring is make sure that he can command his fastball. And of course, as you mentioned, he was so efficient through three innings. They sent him back out there for the fourth and it didn't really go so bad. 45 pitches overall, but you know, he's been pitching pretty well lately. And you see these numbers, these are going to get much better as the season goes on. But He's a young man that's very focused on what he wants to accomplish. And I think uh, as good as his season was a year ago, he plans on having a better one this year. I watched his post game and he was saying, you know, I can tinker around with this pitch. I can tinker around with that pitch. It doesn't really matter. Um, 
just the, the level of comfort and the difference for a guy like Manoa now as opposed to his first camp. Like, he's firmly established. He can basically do whatever he wants. So just the comfort level for him. And how much tinkering are you comfortable with a guy like him doing in spring? Yeah, Ken, I, you know, he's a unique young man in that uh, we saw him pitch a big game in spring training a couple of years ago against the Yankees at night over at Steinbrenner Field, and he didn't look rattled at all. I don't think he ever gets too intimidated by the situation, as we've seen. But uh, I don't mind him tinkering because he knows who he is and he knows where his base is. And so he's not going to stray too far from his base. He's going to maintain two fastballs. He's going to throw a two-seamer and a four-seamer. He's going to throw a slider and a changeup. But he's just trying to refine those pitches and make better pitches with those same pitches and not really reinvent himself just to refine himself and become more of a, a perfect pitcher, if you will. But he is he's motivated to improve every single year. He's uh, got a great makeup. He's a great kid, obviously, and I think we can expect big things from him for a long time. You know, it's funny. Uh, the way he came into the league and given what we were in and how little he played in the minor leagues, like it was kind of just like baptism by fire, Yankee Stadium, throw yeah. him in and he goes. And I, at the start, yeah, at the start yeah. of last year, I, I bet him for Cy Young. And I had a couple people go like, you're betting Manoa for – I go, there's just something about him. Can you tell me, Buck, what that something is – about Alec Manoa because I think we all kind of sort of see it. Yeah, there's a couple of things, Tim. And yeah. uh, the, the one thing I think I saw again today was how much joy he has when he plays the game. And when you're enjoying something as much as he's doing, and no matter what you're doing, if you're building a house or paving a highway or pitching a ball game, and if you enjoy it that much like he does, you're really going to excel at it. And I think he had an innate feeling about pitching when he first arrived at the big leagues. And those are things you can't teach. And that's why it's very difficult to put a tag on anybody just because they're a rookie. Oh, yeah, he's a rookie. He needs more seasoning. He needs more innings and all of that. I don't buy any of that. I think each and every one of these guys is different. And you have to really make decisions based on what you see from him during his outings and during his games and how he makes adjustments and how he bounces back. How he handles adversity. Mind you, he hasn't had much adversity. He won 17 of his first 20 decisions, something <laughs> only Vida Blue had done back in the 70s. But uh, he's a very, very good student of the game. Um, you know, he's got a wonderful personality. But when he's on the mound, uh, he's a warrior. And uh, he knows what he has to do to win. And he doesn't care. And he doesn't want anybody to get in this way to stop him from that. Okay. So I don't want to get too geeked up about Ricky Tiedemann. But then I want to ask you, who is Ricky Tiedemann? Like, well, what do you see there? Yeah, I, I kind of see the same thing, but um, I think they're they're going to slow play him. But uh, you know, if you ask me, I would have just pushed him the same way you push uh, Manoa. Mm -hmm. uh, the first game he threw 98-99. His first couple of pitches, he threw 12 pitches, nine strikes. Has a great slider, a great feel for the game. Yesterday down in Bradenton, it didn't go quite as well for him, but. You know, he hasn't pitched an awful lot, and he was on a real good routine early in the spring, and now they've kind of slowed him down a little bit. So those numbers are a little bit uh, misleading because his stuff is much better than that. But, you know, he's 20 years old, yeah. pitched 78 innings in the minor leagues, and, and you can argue both sides of the case. You could say, well, you know, let's make sure that he develops properly. Well, who knows how to properly develop somebody? Doc Gooden, Brett Saberhagen, a bunch of guys came in the league when they were teenagers. And they excelled. And some guys can handle it. I don't think there's a better place to finish off a pitcher than in the major leagues. 
because you have the best catcher in your system, you have the best coaches in your system, you have the best trainers in your system. And if you think the guy can handle it, which I, I do, I think, you, you know, you go with it and run with it. And, and if you have to make adjustments down the road, go ahead and do that. But, you know, there have been examples of guys in the past, you know, Roy Halliday came up, nearly threw a no-hitter in his first start, had to go back and, and change his whole approach. So everyone is different. And that's why you need the eyes of a good pitching coach like Pete Walker to help you make those tough decisions and say, this guy's different, much like Manoa. And Manoa, like you said, what he pitched, it's 18 innings his second year in the minors and came back up and dominated the rest of the year. Uh, there are certain guys that get it and certain guys that have it. I think Manoa's got it for sure, and I think my personal thought is Ricky Tiedemann has it too. Right, there's been a lot of talk about Manoa, Tiedemann, uh, Kikuchi. I got to ask you, how, how do you see Kevin Kiermeyer fitting in so far? Boy, he's been terrific. You know what he is more than anything? He's a great teammate. I watched him the other day with a young Canadian, Desan Brown, down in Lakeland, and Brown wasn't playing in the game, but every time Kiermaier was on the bench, he sat next to Desan Brown and talked about playing in the outfield. He absolutely loves to play defense, and he is such a terrific defender. And now he's healthy. You see how well he's running right now. He had hip surgery last year. And uh, he didn't know how much he was going to bounce back, but he truly feels like he is running as well as he has at any point in his career because of all the rehab and training he's done. You know, he's 32 years old, and he plans on being the best number nine hitter in the league. But as a teammate, he is really interesting in how he's spreading his word to everybody on the field, trying to make everybody understand what it's going to take for them to get back to the World Series. But I think this is a terrific sign, and I'm looking forward to watching him play center field. That's awesome. We only got about a minute left here, but uh, I learned before the interview that you're working on the World Baseball Classic, Buck. Uh, what, are, what are you most looking forward to? I, I know this is kind of a fun thing for you. Yeah, it's a very fun thing, Tim. You know, I managed Team USA, and and I was the guy that uh, Ernie Witt beat in, 19, in 2006 in uh, Arizona when Team Canada beat USA 8-6. to six. I love the tournament. I've been uh, in 2009, I was in Miami. In 13 and 17, I was in Japan broadcasting the tournament. I really look forward to it. And I think uh, with our pool, Pool C, out in Phoenix, we're going to have Team USA, Team Canada, Team Mexico, Team Colombia, and Team Great Britain. Mm -hmm. So, of course, everybody knows the history of Canada and Mexico in this World Baseball Classic, and Team USA in Mexico in the Classic. And, of course, as I just mentioned, Ernie Witten, his boys, they beat us in 2006. So there's a lot of history here. And we're going to have all the games for you from Phoenix. So it's going to be an awful lot of fun for me. I think it's a great tournament, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of these young Blue Jays players playing it. Damiano Parmigiani hit a home run today. He was two for two. Otto Lopez had a couple of hits. And uh, Edouard Julian from Quebec City, he's going to be a star, and we can't wait to see him play for Team Canada. Nice. And some great names to pronounce as Yuris. well. Yuris. Yuris. <laughs> uh, Buck, always great talking baseball with yeah. you. Thanks for stopping by. Awesome, Buck. Thanks, fellas. Great to see you. Good to see you. Me too. Uh, there is Buck Martinez in Florida on his way to Arizona. I love when you speak to someone and you can tell that they love what they're speaking about. Mm -hmm. Buck uh, is baseball. I, I say that to our crew a lot. Like, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yeah. And yeah. Buck Martinez, you can tell, uh, just loves yeah, what he does. It's awesome. All right, time for one last break. I hope that's what comes across in this show. I don't know. Actually I actually love sports. I just fake it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get to game time, Rubinoff. 
Wednesday night hockey. Panel. Oh, and my big reveal, my highlight of the day. We always hope your game day starts with Tim and friends. Those friends today include a lot of folks. Kenny Reed in the studio. Jesse Ruboff is going to take care of game time. And, uh, well, we've got a little bit of action for you, including the World Baseball Classic, Australia, Korea tonight, Panama, Netherlands, and also the Toronto Raptors say hi to Kawhi Leonard. I was going to say, don't confuse friendship with contractual obligations. Why are you so mean to me? All I do is love you. It's the truth. All I do is love you. Hockey Central coming up in mere moments from now. Tonight on the show, Carolyn Cameron sits down with Jen Botterill and Jaina Heffert on an International Women's Day edition of We Eat. I like to eat. It's a sneaky one. We don't get catering. My parents always encouraged my brother and I to, to be involved with sport, but there wasn't an expectation that you have to play hockey or you have to have a goal or an ambition to represent your country. And then it just so happens, like, both your parents, oh, no, you know, just have fun, no expectations. Yeah, seven combined Olympic gold medals. Yeah, that, that's nice, too. It takes a lot of support, though, right? It's, it's not the expectations, but I found from my um, growing up, and yours, I'm sure it's the same, Jen, but that idea of if that's your dream, mm -hmm. chase it. All right, again, you can catch that on Hockey Central tonight with Carolyn Cameron and the panel. Kenny Reed, Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McAuliffe, and we check in with Carolyn and the crew. Take it away. Thanks very much. I didn't eat much in that segment because, as these guys can attest to, when I eat dinner in the green room, it ain't pretty. Uh, Sam, Justin, and Anthony with me. Uh, the Jets, to put it lightly, haven't been pretty lately. Just two wins in their last 10 games. And all of a sudden, a month ago, three weeks ago, they had the opportunity to be first in the Central Division. Now they're in that second wildcard spot chasing the Minnesota Wild, who they face tonight. So what do you make of this matchup, Stewie? Well, it's definitely a big matchup right now in a tale of teams almost in two different directions. You're looking at Minnesota, who has points in 10 straight. And I'm going to be watching the goaltending tonight. Connor, Mc, uh, Connor Hellebuck, excuse me, 1-2-1, uh, and 5.59 goals against average. His last four starts, 8.44 save percentage. So he's got to be better. So there's going to be those questions. Is he too tired? Is he facing too many shots? Is he starting too many starts in a row? I think he'll bounce back. But they I think the goaltending is going to be key tonight. Yeah, and listen, this Minnesota Wild team is on fire. One of the most impressive things is how good they are defensively. They've given up 11 goals in their last 10 games. So it's a big test for the Jets tonight. They do have the Wild on a back-to-back, -back, which might give them a little opportunity to find some more room than they normally would. But, man, it's a pretty stingy defensive squad, Sammy. Yeah, the big problem is, though, they don't score enough goals, kind of like the New York Islanders. They defend well. They just don't score enough. But I'm looking at Winnipeg. Rick Bonus wants his team to get to the interior, and that's exponentially difficult again. That's a team like Minnesota. They're hard. They're heavy. Sometimes they bore it out on you. But you know what? They're a good club. And think about Winnipeg. They go through this bad stretch, two wins in ten, yet they still only sit seven points behind the conference lead, not just being able to get into the division race again, but seven points back of the conference lead, which is owned by Vegas right now at 82 points. So you have to be really excited if you're a Jets fan because you're saying, oh, yeah, we had our bad period, but we're still in the mix. Uh, Philip Gustafson, he didn't let in a goal until the shootout last night, a loss against the Calgary Flames. So Marc-Andre Fleury expected to get the start for Minnesota. Tim? appreciate you guys doing this. Uh, Kenny has been teasing this, uh, this wonderful highlight of the day. Yeah. The entire show. What the hell is going on? You just kept saying to me, ask me about my highlight of the day. Well, I got quote tweeted by Stefan Brogan. Snake from Degrassi. Oh my! He quote goodness. tweeted me. It's awesome. I did. I last couple nights I worked some Degrassi Junior High on cams into the show, and my brother plays poker with Stefan, so he said, "Check this out." 
And then Rogan quote tweeted me about my on cam about Joey and Caitlin last night. Uh, I'm glad that you said uh, who it was because when you said the actor's name, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's Canadian actors. Yeah, I did. Oh, step, I look at that. Stephen Rogan quote tweeted. I like what he wrote too. This is by far the most random Degrassi reference I've seen in a while. <laughs> I don't really get it. And I lived it. Maybe I just don't get football. So my reference was that, like, nothing I ever thought could come between Joey and Caitlin. Caitlin yeah. They were destined I for love. That, yeah. Guess who came between them in the end on schools up? Tessa Campanelli. Right. I always thought nothing could come between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But now they have their own Tessa Campanelli in the form of the New York Jets. Yeah. Bring it back to Degrassi. Full Monday circle. night, I work wheels into the show. Tonight, I'm going to do an on-camera book snake. It's going to happen. Jesse, do you get any of these references? No, I have no idea what he's talking about. I do it for me. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, uh, let's continue on with uh, game time here. A couple of updates from the basketball world with a couple of stars. Uh, Firstly, John Morant. A little over an hour ago, Woj tweeting that Morant will remain away from the Grizzlies for at least the next four games. Also reported that Ja will not face criminal charges for appearing with a gun live on Instagram. And Woj following up with Zion Williamson news. Uh, his hamstring missed a minimum of two more weeks. So a setback on Zion's road to recovery, which is just difficult Neither to see. Neither of those stories good. No, sorry to, dampen, sorry to dampen the mood, but uh, you have to watch the Raptors. You're talking about job. Donovan's coming tomorrow. We're going to talk about job because yeah. there's a lot of levels to this. Definitely. Is there? Definitely. Yeah. Carry a gun around? Well, tune in tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. Yeah, we'll talk. Okay. Figure it out. Raps taking on Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers tonight. Kawhi's been providing Raptors and NBA fans with plenty of laughs over the years. If you need a reminder or just a laugh after a long day, <laughs> put together some of the best Kawhi moments. Check it out, guys. Hey, hey, hey. What it do, baby? Yeah. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> Today, I cooked Penis Pizza. Oh, no. No, sorry, Bob. Not too many people can make good French toast. <laughs> I'm just drinking alcohol and eating desserts. You can't really taste it, though. It's just like chewy. The penis chewy? Stop saying that. Ha 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 Unintentionally, one of the funnier. Or maybe it is intentional, but one of the funnier I just think he around. is what he is, what That's he is, what he is. And he just, you can do. Yeah, and, and all he does is want to play basketball. He could care less about the rest of the nonsense. Uh, he doesn't regret leaving Toronto, right? Despite the, the Clippers. Although it would have been a better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have had a better time on the court, but he went home. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I've seen his house. Yeah. There's pictures of yeah, like he went okay. home to so, LA. Yeah. I think he knew what he was doing. He's got his championships. Anyone who's still kind of, I mean, I, I get because running it back would have been better mm-hmm. than what it's been over the last little while, but you can't. Hate it, though, no, can you? no, no, absolutely. You'd go back to Pictou County in a flash. If they paid me the money, sure. Yeah. Why not? Work at Channel 10 again? That's what he got. Dream. He got the money and he got to go home. Nothing wrong with that, buddy. Uh, sorry we cut you short on game time. Jeff. No, that's okay. We had to learn the story about Snake. I'm not offended. I'm in a great mood. Happy to your anniversary. Yeah, I could really use a tan the more I look at myself on the monitor. Kind of uh, pale. Make up the two-year anniversary of the show. Oh, yeah, happy anniversary. By the way, my picture should have been bigger in the montage. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for us. Back to Carolyn Cameron and company. Brilliant. How did it rack?